Welcome to the Nomad Podcast. I'm your host, Nomad, and with us today is Emmanuel Kingman, truth seeker, energy worker, and host of the Goodness Over Darkness Podcast, along with his co-host, Mimi. I highly recommend everyone to go and check it out. He recently put together a phenomenal blog on Tartaria, which we will be discussing today. Welcome, guys. How's it going? Hello, hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having us on. This is Mimi's first uh, guest spot on It a is. Podcast. I didn't even Yay. think of that. Yay. I'm excited. I feel honored and fresh I'm with glad the new background. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got the new setup. We got a shelf back here with... So I had a bunch of cool stuff all over my desk. We have a huge desk in front of us that goes th- across the entire room. And I made it, and, actually. Well, it's I a did. wonderful desk. And there's shelves on it and we've been filling it up with stuff and i was like you know what i want a shelf back here to get this on camera so now we got it i love it looks good thank you so i wanted to start off with wondering kind of what got you into tartaria what was kind of the thing that really made it you know stand out to you i heard andreas exertus on tinfoil hat so i heard several different people talk about it but it never sounded interesting it was and i don't mean this in a disrespectful way but i heard uh about the melted buildings theory that mountains are melted and i was like that's nonsense uh i heard uh, another aspect that the cathedrals all had these huge uh organs in them and they were some kind of healing centers and i was like that sounds stupid and uh (laughs) then when i heard andreas exertus he really kind of put things together and he intrigued me and i was like okay uh so then i found him on other podcasts and i was actually driving from uh georgia to pennsylvania to i think it was to go drop to go pick up my daughter over the summer something like that and i heard him on conspiracy castle uh, with Alex Stein, and it was the funniest podcast I ever heard. And Alex Stein cracks me up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the two of them together, it was so funny. So anyway, from there, that was my introduction, and it just seems that more and more I'm being led into the, the direction of uh, uncovering this covered-up history that, I mean, it's obviously it did exist, and it's a covered-up history. So what it is, where it was what's exactly going on i really feel like christ was calling me to uncover to to bring forth the knowledge that i can gather through my podcasting and research so that's what really got me just one of those interesting rabbit holes to to go down it's like the ultimate rabbit hole Mm -hmm. essentially because in my opinion it's uh that is the conspiracy theory that all other conspiracy theories then branch off of because it's all covering up what tartaria is actually covering up right i noticed you you talk a bit about um a globe that you had how did that come to be how did you end up finding that Uh, i actually have a photo i'll bring it up here yeah so this was at my sister's house her boyfriend i don't know found it in uh, somewhere and todd said he wanted it and i said well how much do you want for it and he was like oh like 
40 bucks and i'm like all right we'll take it <laughs> yeah yeah because well it opens up you can put like bottles in it and stuff yeah so at first they were like oh like 140 bucks i was like yeah i'll take it and then they were just joking when they said it so then uh they did give it to us for 40 but yeah, yeah. it's a huge globe i mean it's uh like it's three and a half four feet tall off the ground and the globe part itself is probably two feet uh, like you see the top half right there. There's a whole bottom half that's the same exact size under that, that you can't see. But the reason why we really want it is because it says Tartaria is so big on it. Mm-hmm. And it's in a different, really, it's in a different location than most maps that you see. Like you see the other ones on here that uh, these are ones that we found searching uh, out St. Augustine. We've just found these maps in gift shops uh, and globes mm-hmm. that say uh, grand tartary and uh tartaria on them but every one map that you see rushes usually in the northeast to what tartaria is this is like the way it's depicted in this thing it's like uh it's a continent is tartaria rather than just a country it's like the way that asia would be written in a normal uh globe and it just really intrigues me. So it opens up and on the inside of it, it actually has all the astrology mm. as well. I was just going to say, I was going to ask about something that on the inside. Yeah. I think there is on the yeah. inside top of the globe. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all in Latin as well, which you, and you can see like there's measurements across the top on the wooden part and on the side, uh, you know, go the ring around it. So there's a lot of weird, interesting stuff about this thing. And I think it's a free Masonic thing. So I was like, yeah, this is worth having for me. You know, this is something that uh, I want to have just in case. You know, I believe Tierra del Fuego's on there too, right? Uh, it may be. I I, so. I, I'm not sure. You have to get low on the floor to see it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's super interesting. That's just my height. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. So, what do you think? Do you think one of these is more accurate than the other? Would you say? I mean, it seems like maybe the ones in the gift shops aren't as accurate as like this older maybe more authentic one i i can't say for sure you know when you yeah i mean it's hard to tell i kind of feel like gift up. shop things are kind of mass produced for gift shops so you don't right. yeah. really know and, and they're know? tiny i mean that one on the left hand side there that one it's like the size of yeah, you can see your thumb <laughs> yeah i mean it, it's tiny uh and i didn't buy it i probably should have it was like five bucks but i was like nah it's too small i don't want it so i just took the picture but uh, it's hard to say if any of them are really accurate when you start looking into maps and this is the thing about maps when you start looking into the 1500s uh maps from the 15 1600s even you can find some in the 1300s and they're very 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 different than what we have today none of them are globes uh they're very strange so to say one is more right than the other i think it's just like these cartographers and however they were mapping it, it see it, it brings up an anomaly to me right off the bat is how did they get these uh, what are they called the uh, the lines uh, meridians? No, or no, the, not the meridians. Uh, the uh, the energetic lines, longitude, ley lines, longitude? ley lines, the ley okay. lines. How and I think that maybe they could see them before. I think maybe our sky is actually just a projection that everything we see in the sky is a projection you know that's on the the firmament it's being projected there from nasa 
and that maybe at one time we could actually see the ley lines because we were energetically connected and we could just see it. And that's how they mapped it. Uh, someone told me that maybe it, they would use like dousing rods in order to figure it out. That's just, that's impossible. I forget how Michelle Gibson explained it. Hmm. I don't yeah. think anyone could explain it. Uh, yeah, I don't... It's very hard to comprehend based on even our current knowledge how they would do that. Yeah, mm -hmm. how could they, like honestly, how could they ever come up with the concept of ley lines with their diagonal, their intersecting at different places? I mean, it's right. just really ridiculous when you think about it that it seem like anyone could ever spots, come up with that. High energy. Uh, unless they could say it. Right. And it's like, I don't know, do you know what year they, I guess, decided that the world was round if everyone <laughs> used to think it was flat uh so it's a weird thing because you uh, everyone has the columbus thing stuck in their head where that he wanted to prove the earth was round and columbus maybe didn't even exist but right. everyone realizes that story's nonsense as far as the what happened with the natives but the mainstream masses they still don't realize that the globe thing is nonsense uh so when it really changed over was like the 1940s <laughs> and 1950s they stopped teaching uh flat earth in school and i am not in the belief that it is a flat earth in the way that the flat earth <laughs> society or whatever you know people who believe in flat earth are i think we're in a ball or an egg that is there's flat surface that's running somewhere in the middle and that's what we're on so yeah so would you say essentially it's like we live on instead of being like around it we're kind of like inside of it with like a, a yes a, a firmament, firmament, a firmament yeah. on the top and, then, and below but then yeah i was gonna say but still something below us is just not in the way that we perceive it Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I play with different ideas and I'm very fluid with my thinking. I'm not the only thing I'm really solid in is that Jesus Christ saved my life. So yeah, outside of that, I don't hold anything too particular because you can't really tell the truth uh, because there's so much evidence uh, of so many different things. I just know that we're not on the outside of a ball. That's just it's ridiculous. And but the thing is, with observational science, we definitely are on a flat surface. So in between those two things that we're not on a rounded surface and we're definitely on a flat surface, then that's when I come up with that we're inside of a ball or egg because I, I know we're in a firmament. I have photos of the grid system, which we were just talking about the ley lines. I have photos of a grid from the night sky that I took. I just took a random photo of the black night sky last last year or maybe yeah, a year and a half year. ago and uh there it is it's just grid lines just go so like and zoom in and you can literally see a grid yeah like you can see it like i could see it and it shocked That's me so i'm like yeah right okay whatever you caught a grid on your yeah. camera and somebody <laughs> somebody called me control opposition i had like 50 no, followers i saw it myself <laughs> i made it i had like 50 listens on my I podcast and i'm putting it down on instagram and i got called controlled opposition <laughs> you need to show me that you took it with this kind of and this i'm like, like dude i took phone, it with man. my phone yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know hilarious. any camera tricks <laughs> yeah i've heard i don't know if this is true but i've heard like the first rule of rocket science is to assume you're on a flat surface 
Hmm, which is interesting. interesting. Huh. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, pilots they uh, they fly as if the Earth is flat. Uh, the thing with people will bring up snipers, but snipers are accounting for the curvature of light because yeah. light bends. We know light bends. Uh, so that's they're accounting for the curvature of light, not the curvature of the Earth. So, you know, when someone brings that up to you, if you talk about flat Earth, they're like, oh, no, that's they're accounting for the curvature of light. And then, boom, you know, you sound like a real scientist because that's real shit, the, the yeah, uh, curvature of light. Yeah, very interesting. I know a lot of people hear flat earth and they just assume like it's a map, you know, it's like, but it's definitely deeper than that, I think. Yeah, so, and they also think that it's a, a flat disc in space that, that we're spinning in space. <laughs> till, yeah, a thousand yeah. miles an hour or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're not moving. Uh, you know, yeah. I asked my daughter this yesterday. I was like, do you think we're moving? She's like, no. No, we're not moving. And then she's like, but the sun's not moving. They tell me that in school. And I'm like, don't you see the sun move? She's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, are we moving? No. Okay, then the sun's moving, right? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I, I love that you're having those conversations with your with your daughter at such a young age. That's important. Yeah, well, well she can handle it now. You know, she's 12 and uh, she's red-pilled into a lot of different things. <laughs> And essentially, she only really believes me because of these magical abilities I've been granted when when she's sick and uh, is having trouble breathing and I do some breathing exercises with her. I take the uh, the illness from her and then, you know, it took a while for her to really give into it because she's like, you're crazy. My mom thinks you're crazy <laughs> and grandpa thinks you're crazy, all that. And then, you know, I showed her magic and she was like, okay maybe he's not crazy and uh she really opened up to me when she developed her own personal relationship with jesus christ and she got me this uh wwjd uh bracelet that she got some for herself and her friends and myself so uh after that it's been nothing but uh puppy dogs and wonderful. roses since then yeah yeah that's awesome and when you say, you know, magic, you would you say that you got those abilities once you came to know Christ and started operating in his name? Okay, so it's a it's I a wouldn't. tricky space. I found it before I was saved by Christ and but I wasn't really using it. I had these crazy abilities all of a sudden that just came to me, but I wasn't really using it until I was saved by Christ and then he showed me the way of how you use these things and and he brings different people into my sphere of knowing and awareness that i kind of just take on other people's abilities when i uh communicate with someone our consciousness mixes and i kind of can pull their abilities into myself and mimic it essentially and he taught me you know he's led the way with my podcast and he's led the way with my energy work. And it is only through Christ that I do any of this energy work that I now do. So while the ability started before I knew him, well, actually, so my first psychedelic trip, I saw him, his face. and But I was told in my ear by someone else while he was smiling, nodding, and winking that he wasn't for me, but he would help anybody who asked him to but he wasn't for many he, he winked and nodded and smiled and now i realize you know that was kind of a trick or 
that it was I wasn't ready for him. So I had to go do the exploring thing elsewhere because once you find him, you really let go of everything else. So I needed to shore up that he was the, the thing. I had to go looking everywhere else. And then he came to me in my clouds, which is uh, if you anyone goes to my website, emmanuelkingman.com and goes to the photos section, photos one, you'll see him. He's if you, I think it's the second photo, the first one on the right. It's a, uh, oh, thank you for putting that up on the screen. That's awesome. You are on top of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want people to know where to find your content because you got a lot of great content on there. So everybody yeah. go check it out. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah so I, he came to me in my clouds, uh, which was, Another weird thing, but I kept getting information coming to me that May 17th, uh, that something was going to appear to me in my clouds. And I was thinking it was going to be like Nibiru and Anunnaki aliens were coming. And and uh, it was like 11 o'clock at night. And I'm like, nothing even happened. But I'm outside on my porch because my cat had run away a few days earlier. And then I, I get the urge to look up and take a picture. And, and Jesus Christ is in my sky. And now I see... I can interact with beings in my clouds. I see them. And the thing that makes them real, like uh, people will say like, oh, you can see anything in your clouds. The things that makes them real is the irises. When you look at their eyes, you can see the irises of, you know, the colored part. It's not colored in, but you can see that there's an iris there. So that's what really makes it very interesting. So I'm hearing things when I'm looking at these clouds and it's like I'm having a conversation and the more that I do that, or the more that I've done that, the more that I realize, oh, I actually am communicating with something, and this is how it all operates. That's and awesome. I can never see anything in the clouds, like unless he points it She's, out, he'll be like, she "Look has, at this." Though. No, the only thing that I've seen clear as day was like this praying mantis thing, gigantic, like praying, yeah. and I'm like, and I watched it for the longest time as it was like kind of, you know, how the clouds kind of dissipate a little bit. And finally, oh, I called, called him over. Me over. Like, you yeah. can still see this. Like, come look what I see. Oh, and what I was listening to when we saw that was Ron Weed, someone who I had on my podcast. He was on Upstate Unconventional talking about his encounter with a mantis being. I also have had encounters with a mantis being because I was abducted my entire life until I was saved by Christ. So, as I'm listening, and he had headphones to this, on, so I don't know he's listening yeah. to this. Yeah. So, as I'm listening <laughs> to this crazy. in my headphones. She calls me over and says there's a mantis being it in the clear sky. Clear as anything. Uh, yeah. That's crazy. Clearest what, thing what I... Was the, what was the vibe when you when you saw that? Did you have any type of specific feeling? Uh, F you. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. the vibe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When I see I certain like, ones... I, I see this. <laughs> yeah, when I see certain ones, it, it's, I guess it's maybe like PTSD a bit. And it brings up... Uh, there are some tough memories that uh, I have to deal with that I don't really talk about too often. You know, you'll have your Corey Good and David Wilcock that they make a living off of that type of stuff. Ugh, chills. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> that it's all that real with them. Some to some degree, it's real information. I don't know if it's their information, but it is some real information. Ugh. But for me, it is. They're not comfortable memories to to make that my life. You know. Right. Yeah. I'd rather talk about being sexually abused as a child, honestly, than that, because it's more comfortable, you know, and, and that's not an easy thing to talk about. So that, that's how uncomfortable it is to talk about abduction phenomena. Well, we don't have to go into detail on that, but do you mind like 
I've always been curious on how it first like happens or do you, was there any sort of uh, like warning signs or did you see anything before it happened or was it just like usually boom, like you're, you are, you're somewhere, you know what I mean? Does that make any sense? Yeah, I know what you're saying, but it's not something that I remembered ever in the moment. It was once I started awakening and started playing with psychedelics and meditation and exploring my psyche that's when I remembered. And then I would have dreams. And then I would recall my psyche in different moments. Why was I afraid of the windows? Why was I afraid of the basement? Mm -hmm. Why was I afraid of my backyard at night? All these different scenarios coinciding with uncovering these memories and remembering that I had these terrifying dreams and also remembering all the times that I woke up sweating in the middle of the night. Uh, and just being afraid of the dark in my own house, like you have to hurry up and run and turn a light on. So because you feel like something's watching you or, you know, just you want to keep that fridge. You want the door to slowly shut while you're running back to your room. So you have light on, you know, just these uncomfortable feelings that we have that I didn't know I had in me really until I was saved by Christ. And then all of it went away. And and then I walked around like my, uh, you know, like my shit didn't sink. And it was like, oh, oh, I never used to do this before. I'm a grown man, you know, 31 years old. And I don't remember ever being this confident in the dark before. And I'm a, a large man and I've been in a lot of fights and I've been to prison. And, you know, I consider myself at one time to be tough. And now I just think that's nonsense. But, uh, you know, I, it wasn't that I was some a child or some person who's afraid of conflict but i was always afraid of the dark until i was saved by christ because i could always as the energetic being that i know that i am now and the energy work that i do i realized that i there were things there that i was feeling them i just didn't know what it was and it's really scared me and to the point that i was afraid to walk in my kitchen in the middle of the night because of the dark i was afraid of looking outside of my window for what i might see and that actually you know brings up memories of seeing grays staring at me uh through my basement window and so they would take me so there's at least one time where they took my physical body because i have implants all over my body uh as far as how many times they took my physical body, I'm not sure, but I think it was mostly just taking my consciousness. Uh, that's much easier. And it's also like a time manipulation thing. So they don't really have to disrupt your sleeping, but you never really sleep because your consciousness is not there. So you're not sleeping well. So then you do drugs to be up because you're so tired. And then it's a whole cycle. So. Uh, to answer your question, yes, your physical body is taken, but it's mostly, I think, your consciousness just gets zapped out of you. Yeah, I asked because, and I don't know if you've ever heard of anything like this uh, in all of the conversations you've had, but <clears throat> one time my wife and I were driving uh, from my grandparents and they live up a canyon and it was dark. I don't remember what time, but it was a little later and we were driving up on this like bumpy dirt road surrounded by trees in the mountains and right in front of us as if like a deer was like crossing the crossing the road there was this uh, like giant beach ball sized orb that like kind of just floated right in front of us it kind of like stopped and kind of like it was checking us out and then it kept going 
And I, I don't know, I always just wondered what that was and if you've ever heard anything like that. I, I feel like I've heard sort of stories of maybe that is some sort of entity that's, you know, looking to take people for experimenting, but I don't know. It, well, it sounds like a Merkaba or a Merkaba, as uh, someone might say that it's so if anyone who's familiar with the meditation world and uh, the, the New Ageisms, and even uh, in the Kabbalah, uh, the Jewish uh, mysticisms, they talk about the Merkaba or the Merkaba, where it's you, when you're meditating, you, you sit in a certain pose, and then this energetic ball comes around you, and it's in the form of, a, of the two triangles, the one above you and then the, the one below you. And it's spinning at a, uh, a rate, you know, like the tops that... Uh, the uh, Yeah, like a dreidel, a dreidel yeah. type shape. Yeah, that it's spinning so fast that it takes your spirit away when you're meditating. So you can move your consciousness about in that way. So it could have been human that uh, actually did that. And I don't want to say that all these different things are all abducting things. What I experienced is probably what the majority of Americans have experienced and don't have a clue about. It's the military doing this in conjunction with greys and mantid mm -hmm. beings. Uh, I, I did have an actual UFO sighting that I remember when I was like 14, but it, it started way before that. So, But when that happened, it was just weird because my, none of my friends that were with me remembered it happening. Went, like two days later, they were like, "That? What are you talking about? That didn't happen." And I was like, "Huh, that was weird." Because it just like it it went by and it was moving in a weird way, and yeah. it kind of reacted to us. You're getting the chills all over. I know. <laughs> it, it kind of reacted to us and like stopped and like came towards us. But so I was looking down, rolling a blunt when this happened, and they were all looking at it, and they like tapped my shoulder and told me to look up. And so I looked up. And, you know, then they didn't remember it. So I was thinking maybe when I was looking down, like they did that men in black, like, yeah, you know, with, flashed them. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if that happened, but it was interesting. None of them remembered. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I definitely remember that. That Like you guys stopped me from rolling the blunt that we were about to smoke in order to look at this thing. So very weird. Do you, do you remember what it looked like specifically? Because I know you were talking about how uh, was it the Merkaba? Is that how you say it? It has like the different shapes, but when I saw it, it was just like a gold glowing orb. There wasn't really right because it's it, it would be going so fast that that's right. what you would see is like a ball. Okay. Yeah, it, it would. So what you were saying, yeah, that would like Mimi just said, it's spinning so fast that you can't tell it's the, the two triangles yeah. that yeah. it just looks like a ball. But what I saw was your classic saucer shaped. Uh, yes, I wouldn't even say two triangles it's like that geometric shape that's like a bunch of shapes yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of all combined tetragrammaton yeah, yeah, or something okay. uh so, tetrahedron yeah. yeah so what i was uh what i saw was the saucer shaped it had three distinct lights on it. i think it was like red green and yellow or, or something that they were three distinct colors and it it was just a, a round typical saucer shaped thing that was moving like a helicopter completely silent uh and had the the lights on it that were similar to an airplane but one of the colors was not one you would see on an airplane like i said i think it was yellow so it was just really uh 
strange in that sense. But other than that, it didn't really do anything. It was only like 15 seconds long, which is why it was so weird that my friends were saying, no, that didn't happen. But, you know, now that I've recovered memories, I understand that it was it's a psyche thing that we shut off our memory so that because we remember what when we see that ship, we're like, oh, I don't want to remember. It's so horrifying what happens to you that you don't want to remember. So then people just forget on purpose, essentially. Right. So do you think that there's any sort of connection to Tataria from like within whatever entities were sort of in control of that empire to the alien phenomenon that we see today? Oh, that is a great great question. question. It is. I haven't had anyone ask that question, but yes, I absolutely do think that the abduction phenomena does have something to do with Tartaria. So Tartaria in my opinion is Tartarus which if anyone's familiar with the Bible or Enoch or uh, the Greeks Tartarus was the deepest darkest depths of the abyss or Sheol Uh, Sheol would be hell uh, as we know it but so it comes from what we know as outer space but like I said was saying earlier outer space doesn't exist in the way that we're told outer space when we see the planets they are the wandering stars that transgressed against humanity they're the fallen angels and they're locked in their chains around the sun because they're now made to worship the sun that's their punishment for ten thousand years in the soul lure system yep yeah yeah so these beings they were without life or I'm sorry, without a physical form. And and that may be the bottom of this place. Like we were saying earlier, that we're in like a ball or an egg-shaped thing. That may be the bottom of this. It may be the reverse of where we are and, and their projected consciousnesses. That's a an idea I've been playing with recently. But anyway, I, I they come into this place somehow and they don't have physical bodies. So they come through our technology like we're talking interdimensionally right now we're manipulating time and space in order to be in front of each other Uh, we do this with our cell phones computers and television screens so when we're looking at a television screen a computer screen a cell phone we don't know what dimension we're actually looking at are we looking at the inverse dimension that is below this place like i was just Mm -hmm. saying where they are projecting things here or are we looking at this place that and i think that it's an exact replica down there as it is up here so tartaria uh the ia at the end of a word the suffix ia means kingdom of so the kingdom of tartar or the kingdom of tartarus so that is where they came to and now they are being injected into people through graphene oxide and now the graphene oxide takes over people and they're different parasites as well so this is why the heavy metals are in our food our water our oxygen uh all of it because that's what they use they what is poisonous for us is actually beneficial for them and what's beneficial for us is poisonous to them so they have to slowly kill off the natural world to bring in 
their metallic projection world because they're not they can't be here without a body and they they don't have bodies so they take over our bodies and they change everything and they get us to willingly do all of this and they do it through the abduction phenomena in a big way i mean i was not the person that i am today because i was having things projected into me maybe you've heard of the voice of god technology where Mm -hmm. yeah well it's way worse than that i mean they have made mass shooters uh, all over the place they have done that they physically take over your body and you are not in control and you don't even know it but people start to feel crazy because they're battling something and they're being told that no that's not real take this pill and what this pill does it just kills the thought that this is crazy and it's like okay just accept it it's the pharmacy it's the witchcraft in order to get you to accept that the alien that is snatching your body is a an okay thing that it's not some uh you know, it's some sci-fi thing that you saw on TV once that it's not real. You know, that's that's what right. they do to us. Have you seen the show Stargate? I have heard of it. We've seen one movie, uh, one uh, Stargate Atlantis. We saw that was a pretty good one. But I'm familiar with Stargate SG-1 and all that. Yeah, so I, I started watching it again uh, last night because I'm actually going to be having Jim Wilhelmson on the show oh, nice. in, like yeah. a, in like a week. And He's he, had mentioned, he had mentioned Stargate in a couple of his podcasts. So I kind of wanted to talk about that with him and just another synchronicity. So last night I'm watching this and this scene comes up where Teal'c is talking about how the, the Ga'uld, which are basically a parasite entity, like in earth took over the human bodies the primitive bodies and started working it within them and they were called i have this quote on here uh i just took a picture of the screen of the screen but it said that gold discovered a millennia ago the tari and i just thought it was interesting the tari mm. is like very similar to kind of what we're talking about with tartaria right mm. so. slightly close name just to throw you off a little <laughs> right but i mean and maybe that was what they called the people the tari you know wow um so i just thought that was interesting and then i know you related a bunch of words in your blog about tartaria and kind of the words that we have still in use today and the one that came to mind for me was tarnation right mm-hmm. like what in tarnation and i yeah. looked up kind of like the meaning and it was uh alternative to saying what in damnation yeah, that's so, very interesting. I didn't even know that. So you bringing this here, you know, you're adding more pieces onto the puzzle for me. Associated with Americans living in the South. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very hmm. interesting. Well, and then I go ahead. Uh, the, the people of the South who we're told are, are evil uh, people. Maybe it, it wasn't like what they told us at all. And maybe when they say uh, when Man. tarnation... <laughs> It's because that the Northerners have already been taken over by uh, these entities to some degree. Right. I just thought it was fascinating that that's kind of the same story that we get from the Bible, right? It's it's saying essentially that God sent the messengers who sinned, uh, put them in chains of gloom, cast them down to Tartarus. And yeah. so it's very much like a damning of of the fallen ones or the messengers. Yeah, the and, damnation. 
Yeah, and I wanted to point out that um, I have the comparisons here in the Bible. I was telling you about the YLT version, the Young Literal Translation, and that's where it actually says Tartarus, but in the other ones, it just says hell. And Mm. there's several other words that um, they will use for hell, like Gehenna, I think, is like another one. And they just they like translate them all as hell. So just for anyone listening, if you want to get a kind of more literal translation, I recommend at least comparing versions when when you're reading the Bible app makes it super easy to do that. Yeah. And uh, the Greeks are the ones who wrote the New Testament and they have a lot of stuff about Tartarus. So if anyone's interested in looking into Tartarus, I mean, you can just check out uh, your ancient Greek history. Yeah, what intrigues me is that you can hear that so many times. What incarnation, what incarnation, what incarnation. And you don't even think like, where the hell did that come from? Like, where where did that word even come from? Nobody ever thinks about that. So (sighs) what do you think is the most important thing for people to take, you know, from this whole thing? Because, you know, it it's it cover so many different theories that people kind of pile into it but like after doing this blog do you think there's like one thing or a couple things that really stood out that are actually like helpful or useful to know so about tartaria itself yeah after after you strip away the the falsities what's left okay well so if you don't know anything of tartaria so there's different layers i would say for understanding so if you don't know anything of it I'd say that it's important just to understand that it's on maps, it's in history books, it's talked about in different places that this was a real place. Start there and understand that this was a real place. Now, if you understand it's a real place, now what was this real place? All this old world architecture, it's not just over in Russia and Asia. I mean, it's everywhere and it's very similar. And we're told in the mainstream narrative that it is warring nations that's, you know, we'll take Georgia, for example, that they'll say in uh, the state of Georgia that several different uh, countries were taking over here, Sweden, uh, France, not France down here, but Sweden and Spain uh, came down here uh, and they are using the same architecture, color-coordinated, by the way, I mean, it's all the same stuff, and but there's also France and England. Are all four of these countries are claimed to be doing this all up and down the East Coast, and that they're warring for to conquer the world at this time. So why are they color coordinating everything together? You know, what is it with all the different things? So that's the second layer. Now, if you're at an understanding of Okay, you know it was a place, you know there was old world architecture all around, so there's this free energy and the cathedrals, maybe cathedrals, which is a very interesting thing, and get into cymatics and how the energy was being manipulated and used by everybody at some point. Okay, so that's another layer. Then beyond that, you start to look into, well, why is it being covered up? What is it about that that's being covered up? And that leads you into the second destruction of the world that, uh, according to the Bible, the second destruction of the world that would happen by fire has already happened in the 1700s and 1800s. 
that all of the prophecy has been fulfilled and the a lot of time that the Bible said it would happen in. So not just that, but there what was actually there that Tartarus uh, came to interfere with was Christ's millennial kingdom, the thousand year reign of I don't want to say peace on earth. Essentially, peace on earth was there for some of it, but that Satan, the adversary, was bound in the pit for a thousand years, Tartarus. You know, they were bound in actual Tartarus for a thousand years, and then, boop, popped up Tartarus uh, on earth, because, and we call it Tartaria. So the kingdom of Tartarus came to earth after the thousand years. So there's a lot of ideas. Go ahead. Do you think that uh, it, it seems like on your globe that you showed us it, that Tartarus is kind of like at the top? Like, do you think that it like does it kind of reach up to Antarctica? Well, Antarctica kind of is the bottom. Or well, all okay, the way yeah. out. So it'd be like Hyperborea, maybe where you're talking okay. about the Arctic. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, there's theories about like hollow earth and maybe there is like mm-hmm. a maybe there's like a portal at the top or maybe at the bottom that connects, you know, or something right. like that. I was just wondering if, you know, if that was the case, if maybe that, that would be where it, Tartarus was established, like on our layer, right? Like maybe because a it, tourist field. Oh, uh, yeah. And maybe they, the Tartar, the tourters, mm. uh, maybe a, they come out of the tourists uh, and came from the North. That's a, a possibility for sure. Mm. Yeah, super interesting. <clears throat> kind of what you're talking about, just so people know, you know, when you say destruction by fire, I think a lot of people would be like, well, how come I never heard of anything like that? But there is a unwieldy amount of Tons. buildings that are covered up. Um, and it's I'll show I'll show some here, for example, just to give people an idea. So this brings up the topic of mud floods, right? And mm-hmm. There's so many examples you can just find online of buildings that apparently have tons of layers underneath that they've started to excavate or or whatever. And right. I, I mean, that definitely seems like at one point there was like another layer that we d- were unaware of, right? Yeah, people were definitely not shipping in dirt to cover this up. <laughs> Something else had to happen to, to cover this stuff up. Right. Uh, and like you said... It sounds like, why wouldn't I hear about this? Why wouldn't my ancestors know about this? Well, I think that maybe the rapture probably occurred already and that we are the result of being test tube babies, uh, that we are the uh, first resurrection, uh, as it says in the Bible, that we're the ones who are here to, we're given a second chance and to accept Christ as God. You know, we face our punishment and now we're here. And now we can either say, you know, we're not going to Christ and we're, we'll take, we'll take our chances with uh, being judged or that we accept Christ. So there's a big uh, kind of thing that's happening. So anyway, like you were saying, what is the evidence of it? The mud flood is a great example because there's a lot of mud everywhere um, all over the world in different areas that are definitely covering up something that 
we look at all these buildings and they have windows that are built looking into mud or doors that are built looking into mud. And you can look at so many cities across America that have this. All right. So that's a weird thing, right? The mud flood, like people want to poo poo the photos. <clears throat> so I don't even really use the photos as my evidence. What I look at is the major fires, and you're free to put the, up the photos because, I mean, I love looking at them, but <laughs> but when on the face of it, people, they want to uh, say that that's not pick. good enough. <laughs> right. So, well, yeah, that's why I want to give people a glimpse so they know. But yeah, yeah, I agree. There's more to it than just pictures. Yeah. So th you can look every major American city as well as around the world that there were uh, fires and all of them yeah so like that newspaper <laughs> so that newspaper article it's the san francisco fire in 1906 which actually we found that when we're in saint augustine we found <laughs> that at a gift shop for the fountain of youth just like the crazy why would that be there the earthquake and fire of san francisco and san francisco has is famous for their streets being on slants right uh, yeah. Super big hills, super yeah, deep hills. Mud floods. Maybe yeah. they're uh, pyramids, actually, uh, that they're that were uh, melted. Uh, so, yeah. So you have that. <laughs> There's fires all yeah. over. You have the World War Zero, if you will, because they don't call it World War One of 1812. You have the first and second Barbary Wars, which was America and Sweden. Uh, right when America was getting going in the 1770s as well as in the 1790s, that they fought the barbarians, the Barbary Wars, where they fought the Ottoman Empire that was in America still at that time, uh, which barbarians are Tartarians. It's They're calling them that because it's a derogatory name. They didn't like the Tartarians for whatever reason. So... You have that. You also have the New Madrid earthquake in 1812, which rever 1811 and 1812. And the final one in 1812 reversed the Mississippi River for three days. Uh, hit in Missouri, right on uh, the Mississippi River. And the Mormons, actually, as this is a side note, the Mormons believe that uh, Eden is in jackson missouri so i mean that sounds biblical to me that the mississippi river was reversed uh so that's a weird thing also the the nile is uh, very similar in shape and length to the mississippi and that actually runs reverse all the time so that's another weird thing uh then we have the year without a summer. So it's the Bible's famous for saying the sun will be black and dale and the moon won't shine or will be red or whatever. Uh, yeah, we had the volcano that exploded. And yeah, we had the year without a summer in 1816. I think the effects lasted for about seven years or so, uh, which is weird in itself. So you have a lot of different things happening. You have all the pest uh, pestilence. Uh, you have the famine, disease out the wazoo. There's just so much evidence for it, but nobody's putting it together in this manner. And you, what you also have, which I know you have another photo of, is the meteor shower in 1833, November 12th, 1833, 
that uh, people thought it was the end of the world because of this Leonid meteor shower that you just put up. The night stars fell 1833 in which more than 72,000, which it's some estimate up to 100,000 meteors per hour fell to Earth. And the stars are angels. So they probably came down and they raptured everybody up. Uh, that's just my opinion. Uh, then yeah. We have, can I ahead. can I stop you on that? Just because yeah. I had a question. I've heard you talk about that before about us being uh, post rapture. What do you think is the devil's incentive for that lie to permeate? For which one? That like it. So if, you know, a lot of people would say we're not post rapture. I think you know okay. a lot of people would say that. So like, if we are post rapture, what do you think is the devil's incentive for that deception? Uh, so that we don't think Christ is actually God, so that we think that there's multiple Christ throughout our history, that uh, it just it's the same thing is happening over and over on larger and smaller scales, and that it's that Jesus isn't the one true living God. Uh, so I really think that that is it, uh, because yeah. once we accept them, then then we're saved and then it's over for us. You know, I've been saved. I have reached salvation and I was in bliss nirvana for 10 straight days because of it. Uh, So, I mean, for me, the war is over. And once people come to that realization, then the war is over for them as well. Yeah. And I don't really know where I stand on post or pre-rapture or any of that, but kind of my thoughts on it too, when I started thinking that way is, I feel like it kind of takes away the urgency from people if they think we're not post rapture because it's like, oh, well, I still have a second chance if I don't get raptured. Right. So it's like, you know, they tell you about reincarnation. Yeah. There's a lot of lies that I think kind of can feed off of that. So I think that's a good point. I also think, you know, the Bible talks about how essentially the kingdom of heaven will be here once everybody knows. Right. And so I think it is kind of, us bringing heaven to earth through Christ in us. And that's when yes. heaven will be on earth. It's, I mean, maybe it will be some sort of physical manifestation mm-hmm. through the clouds, but yeah, I think the whole rapture thing can kind of sidetrack people from that. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I don't, I'm not too solid in the rapture happening or if Tartarus was uh, Satan of being loose on the earth for a short season because there is also evidence that uh satan is still being loosed or is about to be loosed there's a weird thing with 9 11 2001 uh, if there's a thousand years that's been added to our timeline then 9 11 2001 would be 9 11 1001 jesus's birthday is probably 9 11 so 1000 years later would be Satan would be loose from the pit. So there's a lot of different weird things. And I, I don't really, like I said in the beginning, I'm fluid with my thinking. I I know these are all possibilities and there's what, where there's evidence, that's what I follow. So I don't hold on to anything too strongly. I just go with when I get more evidence of something, uh, that one thing can't be true. Then I let go of that. And, and then I just kind of, gain more evidence for what could be true still so i'm not sure exactly you know where where we stand on the biblical timeline but uh the 1859 carrington event 
is a very strange occurrence to me that uh and there you go you got you got slides left and right you're you're <laughs> on, on it, it my friend so yeah the carrington event uh was the most intense geomagnetic storm in recorded history occurring on the first and second of september 1859 during solar cycle 10 and it was so powerful that people who are working on the telegraph system were actually shocked and if it happened today our whole uh technology our whole grid would be gone because it was uh, so strong I found it interesting that uh, this center photo here is one of the main ones that kind of comes up when you search this. And I don't know, to me, that literally looks like a serpent. <laughs> it's got yeah, a diamond head. To me, for sure. Yeah. And I know, I think I've heard you say something about, you know, you kind of had a theory that maybe this was the event that uh, the, the devil, the deceiver was loosed upon the earth. Yeah. Um, I think so that was I just found story. that interesting when I saw that photo. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and like you were fun? saying... I don't. I think the uh, Carrington. I forget his name, but I think he sort of Richard came up Carrington. with this. He came up with this diagram or whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, that's like the main image that comes up when you mm -hmm. search it. So I, yeah, I just thought that was super ironic and interesting. And you know, I do feel like there's some sort of involvement with this deceiver, parasitic entity, and our technology. And that is around the time that we kind of had a lot of that going on, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's that first picture on the left there is that's a a scary looking sky and it's in like the backdrop of a world's fair almost. You have the, the Ferris yeah. wheel, you have the, the clock tower, you have this there. big spire <laughs> in the front. I mean that this is if anyone's unfamiliar with this is the type of old world architecture that you can look for in your uh in your city. That you can find these spires, you can find these clock towers all over that have been standing for a long time yeah these are some great photos you just brought up these world's fairs and this is really the smoking gun for me this is what broke me uh when i heard howdy mccoskey talk about the world's fairs and how it's completely uh covered up and i just got to speak to him the other day last week yeah, great interview uh, a great convo if everyone hasn't heard it go check it out yeah i mean that might go down as my favorite interview of all time and i'm getting such good feedback on it he said to me that i could go around doing interviews for him because i know the material so well so you know that was uh one of the highlights of my podcasting career so far uh him and uh, matt tarion from the great deception podcast in the same day mm. i mean that's just some great stuff so uh, this world's fairs i mean it's just it's nonsense the, the whole thing is really it's racist and it's set up to deceive people it was television and movies before television and movies and it was real life theater where they had human zoos they had infantoriums not too long afterwards we had these orphan trains so these are all the things that uh, we didn't mention yet that go into my thinking of the rapture occurring and us being test tube babies and and uh, the switcheroo as I think the Carrington event was where all these saints that are depicted in the Catholic tradition have these halos around their head. I think that there were probably humans that started to reach their eternal form and you could see their crown chakras opened and they they were depicted as halos uh, and that there was some kind of switcheroo where the demons came in and the saints went out. Uh, and Mimi just got the chills again. 
So, so that's kind of what I think happened in 1859 because 1851 was like the first, well, I think 1850 was like the first real big uh, World's Fair, but it was right around there is when it started shortly after that 1833 event uh, where all the stars fell to earth. Maybe they were some of the fallen angels. Uh, and the idea that know. you knocked around about Disney being like a, a permanent a world's permanent fair. world's fair yeah. here you know like yeah. that's definitely like the next evolution of the world fairs for sure yeah i mean they're everywhere and they just suck you dry and disney you know, does it through yeah. tv and movies all the time oh, yeah too. it's that that whole rabbit hole is i mean yeah that's very that's evident for me for if, yeah. if, if anyone has hasn't heard like you should look into disney and kind of some of the programming and like, psychology that goes into a lot of their movies because super dark i definitely don't want my kids watching them yeah I, I know and my daughter like loves disney and she's about to have a baby and she's just like i want all the disney books and i went then i'm like no no yeah, it's a tough what one did I, do? Look at you. I mean it is a <laughs> cult <laughs> yeah crazy yeah, so the World Fairs, it, and it is interesting how you can go into pretty much, I mean, most people's towns. Like, I know we have a big building here where I am. Um, it's remnants from the World Fair. And I guess, uh, what would you say is the the connection to Tartaria? Because that was always something that kind of I was confused about. Is it is it their recycling architecture or so just the people involved are are kind of up to their old tricks right so what happened was they presented the this architecture so so if we think that just tartaria was just this one part tartaria is an umbrella term now but it was only one part of the world so this and it this this under this umbrella it describes all this beautiful old world old world architecture so what the world's fairs were doing were they were displaying all this beautiful architecture and they told us so this is why it's so unbelievable is that they tell us that it's made of uh, of um plaster and wood which is also known as a staff uh, the plaster is known as staff and that afterwards they either burned it or they blew it up with dynamite but they say that they built it in two years all of these different things that are like so large. I don't even remember the numbers that Howdy uh, rambled off, but just ridiculously sized things that there's no way people could make these things of uh, plaster. So what it was, in my opinion, is they were actually displaying the old world architecture, which is all Greek or Greco-Roman as we know it. So why is there Greco-Roman architecture all over the place? that's very weird right so they were displaying it and then they were just amazing all the humans and then they just got rid of it they they did away with it and uh that is how it goes up it's the cover-up it's they were saying that they made it in two years like the planning yes. would take more than two years and they said they planned it in a month the landscaping would take more than two years and they said they did it in three months. It's just ridiculous amounts of things that, that are completely impossible. When I'm looking back at my notes from our uh, conversation with Howdy, it was 
like 700 acres, 250 buildings in less than two years. Of yeah, and that's the Chicago World's Fair. Yeah, and when Chicago's World's Fair came out, it was 400 years after Columbus uh, had reached America, and that big old statue in uh, the Chicago. Anyone looks up Chicago World Fair is Columbia, is the Greek goddess Columbia. With her name is also there. It was yeah, right there on the top right. That uh, this is Columbia, aka Lady Liberty. Uh, so what was actually happening in the 400 years, we know from Michael Wan's work, uh, if you guys aren't familiar with him, I suggest everybody check him out. Michael Wan, he breaks down that they do these magic rituals in, uh, cycles of 400 for some reason. So this was 400 years after Columbus landed. And I mean, it's just, all of it is just a cover up to, what was here and they showed it to us and then they took it away by a fire. Yeah. And this is where they really started to set the stage for the future that they wanted to build. Right. You know, it seems like they had a lot of um, sort of stories of what the future is going to look like of technology that it seems like they tried to push a lot of like Darwinism and how Does certain that remind you of something. Does that remind yeah. you of Ep- Epcot at all? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're definitely just continuing that cycle. But to me, the biggest calling card is the torch, right? That's like the sign mm. for Prometheus or for Lucifer bringing down knowledge oh, from the call. gods. Um, and I don't know. I always see that like at the Kanye and Drake show concert. I don't know if you saw that, but like they opened up with like the torch at the top. Uh, the Olympic yeah. Games. Yeah. yeah. Where's that photo from on the left there? Do you know? Uh, I wish I knew which specific World Fair it was. I don't off the top of my head, but I'm sure if you search uh, World Fairs, yeah. you'll be oh, yeah. able to find it and see which one specifically it was. Yeah, it looks like a Hindi god on the right uh, here. I mean, I don't know uh, who that is, that statue, but that looks like it could be uh, one of the Hindi goddesses. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of different kind of beings that are portrayed throughout the world fairs, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's, none of which it, are. <laughs> well, and the thing is, uh, if I'm correct with my destruction of the uh, the world uh, according to fire, what would have happened was uh, this year without a summer would have sucked out so much oxygen that things would have shrunk as soon as the oxygen wasn't there, the things that were larger would have died off plants, animals, and humans. And this is why the megafauna died off. Uh, well, when Randall Carlson and Graham Hancock talk about a comets hitting the earth, uh, to end the younger dryas or to begin the younger dryas that, uh, I don't think it was way back then. I think it was just not too long ago. And that, uh, what would happen is it would be very hot also. So it would kill off all these things and it would be very hot. But then as soon as the fire went out, then it would freeze all automatically. And okay, there you go. The younger dries. And I was going to ask you, sorry, (laughs) I was going to ask you if you'd heard about this, the younger dries black mats. Yeah. 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 I've, that's how I got into my awakening was through uh, ancient civilizations thinking Gobekli Tepe was a, a real thing 13,000 years ago, but and that they purposely covered up. But no, it's the mud flood covered it up, and it wasn't all that long ago. Uh, 
so th there's actually a time period from like uh, i think 1300 or 1200 to about 1500 where they say there was a uh a cold uh climate change that it, it was a very cold period for us that there was a warming period followed by a, a freezing period so if something were to become very hot and then freeze all of a sudden and things didn't have enough oxygen then they would be turned into rock so i think a lot of these statues maybe not a lot of them some of these statues could have been these actual lowercase g gods that have been stuck in the rock now because they were uh you know the oxygen was depleted and the, the cooling happened so quickly that they were just turned into rock which is kind of the story of uh was it sodom and gomorrah when lot's wife she, yeah when lot's wife looks back and turned into a pillar of salt yeah yeah and it's kind of like a uh, medusa where you stare at her and, and then you become rock yeah so there's definitely you know history or at least mythology around that yeah. so do you think that this younger driest black mat is evidence of that um sort of transitional period but not the age that we're sort of told like maybe it was a lot sooner than twelve thousand eight hundred and fifty years ago well, see, it's hard to say because uh, apparently at Atlantis, we're told Atlantis ended around that time period as well through Plato. But who knows if that's even real? Who knows if Plato w was a real person? Uh, you know, once you start to uncover this Tartaria stuff, you can't really know anything beyond 250 years ago. Uh, or 200 years ago, essentially. But I like to start around the 1770s uh, through our mainstream history because they do, uh, it's free will. They have to kind of tell us everything. So beyond that, I don't know how time actually operates. Is it that they've been resetting us to the 1800s several times uh, that every 250 years or so that we just get reset back to that time period i don't know it, it's a strange thing where you have the uh great winter frost in 1741 in ireland where it was just uh like frozen over you also have the philadelphia experiment uh that happened there's a lot of things that are very weird in our history that if you start linking them together that oh maybe they time traveled from this time period to that time period caused a great frost and reset all of humanity back then because right after that is when uh adam weishop uh was born uh also the rothschilds were born around then in the 1740s uh, so when we start talking about thirteen thousand years ago i'm like well I'm not there. I, I can't go there anymore. That's how I started my awakening was looking into ancient civilizations, but I can't go there anymore. And the more uh, work that I uncover, like Anatoly Fomenko. So when I said the thousand years earlier, that's not my idea. That is Anatoly Fomenko, who's a Russian mathematician who has figured out these algorithms uh, and different math equations that are way above my pay grade to understand how they operate. But He's saying that there's phantom uh, time hypothesis, that there's these phantom events that didn't actually happen, that they're just copied 
uh, in history from one point in history laying over another that maybe the Old Testament happened after the New Testament. Uh, that's a strange idea to me. Uh, but he also thinks that like the Noah's Ark and Christopher Columbus event were the same thing, which that mm-hmm. kind of makes more sense because Christopher Columbus definitely didn't happen. All those maps overlaid. Yeah, th- yeah. There's a yeah. lot of weird stuff and there's some maps that overlay like the Nile River with you know the Mississippi River and yeah, uh, weird California, stuff. But it matches like exactly. Yeah, California used to be in was had the Red Sea, and that's how you have Salt Lake City because mm. the Red Sea was the ocean, the Pacific Ocean. Uh, so Nevada, Utah, and uh, Arizona, they weren't there the way they were. And the water was depleted during this gold rush where they were pumping water out to, to find gold. And they weren't actually uncovering gold. They were uncovering mansions out there. And that's why people were rushing out there. But there, So there's so many different things to this time thing that i'm like okay well i know time isn't linear we just experience it in a linear fashion and so when we're looking at all these events and time and and all that it's really hard to say and i have come up with the idea and it's not my idea i don't think i think god has kind of given me this idea that time started at christ's resurrection that that was uh day one uh, essentially that that is when time started and that we end up getting so far away from it we're 500,000 years away in perfect society in what we know as Atlantis and it's beautiful so beautiful that then we forget everything and then we start to go downwards and what ends up happening is we forget that Jesus Christ is our creator and then we kill him uh, because he's telling us now you're doing things wrong. And we're like, no, nah, we're not doing things wrong. We've been doing it this way for the last million years. What are you talking about? Weird guy. And then, uh, then we kill him. Uh, so, and then time starts over. Uh, so I think that maybe and my ear just went completely deaf ringing when I said that. So I don't know if that's a, a good sign or not, but, uh, I think that the year, his resurrection was the beginning of time. Did you just get the chills? <laughs> Have you not been? I've been like getting the chills this whole time. I, and there's no draft in here. There's no anything. Usually, usually I sit either. here lately. I've been putting a heating pad behind me so that like, you know, I wouldn't get the chills <laughs> per se, but I, I still get them. Yeah. It's well, it must be on to something then. Yeah. It's weird. So, I'll get like little ones that, I, that you can't see like, me. Uh, you can't see me like do this. I'll get little ones and I don't say anything. <laughs> I just shut my eyes for a second. Like, shake your head. I just log the information for myself. <laughs> so, so to answer your question, 13,000 years ago, I don't know. I can't really make an accurate opinion on it. It could just be reset after reset after reset after reset. And it could add up to 13,000 years ago. Uh, at this point you know it could have been that many resets but i don't know right well i think it's one of the interesting things i found when looking into the younger dryas black mats was that in this photo and it might be kind of hard to see i'll try to make it more full screen but there is like a line here or an area mm-hmm. where it's freshwater deposits and then you have up above it the the more black mat um younger dryas that supposedly was by comets or some sort of other more like 
fire related yeah, incident like that followed that right that and then that followed by the freezing period you were talking about which sort of created that layer so in you know we talk about a lot of hypotheticals but here is some sort of evidence to what we're talking about as far as the timeline goes in my opinion yeah it's a lot of weird stuff like the the sphinx the weathering on the sphinx shows that it's definitely not from the time period that we're told uh that it's from when there was actually rain there but again you know i can't go there with with time knowing how manipulated everything has been and and there's with time let's say time is being manipulated and stuff wouldn't it still make our present time um in accordance to however it was manipulated does that make any sense so like if somebody went and manipulated time wouldn't how we're perceiving things be affected by that well do you ever feel that like certain days feel longer than others sometimes and and some days seem like they go by so fast and you're like where did the day go yeah, for sure. And I think time is a funny thing. And <clears throat> there's mm-hmm. definitely realms outside of time. But as we're experiencing it, like you said, it is linear and how we perceive it. So I guess what I'm getting at is, if someone was to manipulate our timeline, and let's say cause a, a catastrophe to happen or something like that, wouldn't that still affect how we're perceiving it in this present moment? Well, it, it certainly could. So the the reason why I say I don't know how long ago it was is because so say something happened in the year 1200 say we are actually in the year 2022 and something happened in the year 1200 right from z- the year zero to 1200 then we get to 1800 then how many times have we gotten reset to 1800 has it been uh a thousand or uh, I mean uh 10 times to get to a thousand years uh, or 2000 years that we've been reset. So now that the 1200 actually archeologically says that it it was 2,800 years ago, but it was only actually a few hundred years ago. We just been reset so many times. So that's where I, right. Okay. I I get get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the weird thing I was going to say about the Sphinx and the pyramids mainstream narrative Bible tells us, that the Jews in Jerusalem, what we know as Jerusalem, were the slaves in Egypt 4,000 years ago. We're told in mainstream Egyptian history that the Jew or that the slaves of the Egyptians built the pyramids in Egypt. And there's no mention of that in the Bible ever. So the, the Jews who were the slaves of the Egyptians would have been the ones that built the pyramids and they never mention it ever. The, the Sphinx or the pyramids. Do you think they would have referred to them as pyramids? I mean, I guess they would have maybe alluded to it being some Mountain massive structure, but they do talk about them building blocks and such like that. So I'm just wondering if maybe they just didn't call them pyramids. Well, perhaps? that's I mean, I that's, don't know. No, that's definitely a good point. Uh, but the Sphinx uh, is, uh, you know, th- there's no talk about that. And that's uh, a pretty uh, outlier, if, if you will. But I have someone sent me some evidence that maybe it's Mount Zion, that the pyramids are Mount Zion. But to me, I don't think that Israel was over in the Middle East. I think that, that America is Israel and Egypt 
and Rome and Babylon and all of it was actually in the Americas. Well, it'd be fun to read Exodus at some point, maybe in our future Bible study and kind of go through that. But yeah, I can't wait to get that going. I just, you know, when I'm called to do it, I will do it. I I think I should probably finish the Gospels myself first. And I'm, uh, yeah, for sure. I'm uh, almost there. Have you given in any more thought? Um, I know. Could you elaborate a little bit on your sort of thesis of John? Was it John that you said was maybe Jesus or something to that matter? Uh, yeah. So John the Baptist in the Gospel of John, he's recording himself becoming Christ. And when I opened the Bible and started reading it, that was the first uh book that i read uh, and what i'm doing now it was the first book that i read and i was like oh okay i could write this for myself because i was born todd armstrong so i didn't even tell your audience this uh i have a wild past of being in prison being a drug addict being a very overall bad person i couldn't speak i was overweight i was balding i had a ton of addictions and now i've gotten rid of all that by jesus christ saving me and renaming me emmanuel kingman and uh it was only about two months ago where i found out that there was a thing called being written into the book of life and having your name changed i didn't know that was a thing when this happened to me uh last january uh you know january to march is essentially when i was renamed so i didn't know that was a thing so there were so many different things that occurred like that to me that i experienced biblical things And then I found out it was in the Bible. So when I read the book of John and I see he's saying things like uh, you can, uh, well, he's recording that Jesus Christ is saying you can only come to me through the father. He's saying you can only get to my level by God personally doing this for you because God has personally done this for me. And I have all these crazy psychic abilities now uh, that, you can only get it through God. You know, there's no, like people ask me like how to become psychic and I can help people tune into it, but there's no way that anyone could just develop these uh, on their own. It is only through the hand of God that it, it can happen, all these different things. So there's different things like that. Like Elijah, when, when John is asked, are you Elijah? And he says, no, but then Jesus says, yes, because the Christ in him knows that, yes, the Christ in me is the same Christ that was in Elijah. But uh, So do you think that uh, Jesus was still like a physical person, but they were experiencing Christ within them? Because it does seem like John talks about, there's a, I think it's, yeah, John 3.27, where it says, John answered and said, a man is not able to receive anything if it may not have been given him from the Father. Ye, ourselves, ye yourselves do testify to me that I said I am not the Christ, but that I am having been sent before him. Right. So it seems like John is saying that like he's not, he's not Jesus, he's not the Christ, but he, you know, he's obviously working with Christ within him. Right. Well, I feel yeah. to me, I, I, I see that as his awakening yeah so i could you know, see that the as christ in him like you said todd, rising. todd armstrong was sent before emmanuel kingman right uh you know so i can see that but i can 
but so there's this anomaly happening because I think that multiple people were becoming Christ at once, and that's why this book or this uh, New Testament was rushed. That in the Old Testament, it was it seems that it was a time period of one prophet, maybe two or three, but you know, generally speaking, it was a time period of one and then another and then another and then the new testament happens and you have what like uh 28 books written within uh like a hundred years uh, or so or like a time period of a hundred years or so so what why would that be what's the significance i think many people were becoming christ all at once but i also do think that there was jesus christ the essence the energy so when i say that i don't i'm not discounting christ anyone that's listening christ when he says drink of my blood eat of my flesh he's talking about the life essence that he is that that if you drink of my blood and you eat of my flesh you'll never go thirsty you'll never need anything else again you'll never go hungry because it's the oxygen that you're pulling in it's the life exit uh life essence you're pulling from the energy so he's saying different things like that. So I see it as this centralized figure that we're all extensions of. We are the body of Christ. We are uh, like the dimensional layer that sticks out all the way outwards from the centralized figure. So I think that maybe that centralized figure probably did incarnate at some point on the earth. Now, I don't know about the virgin mary birth part of it i don't maybe christ just appeared here as man maybe john was actually mary's son and john was the one that was sent ahead of time i'm still trying to really work that out between reading the bible and and talking to jesus about these different things Uh, so is there something that makes you question the virgin birth? Because to me, when I read the Bible, it does seem like there was a physical person who was kind of leading the charge and making people wake up. And that's kind of why I think you see a lot of a lot more writing in that time, because there was somebody driving that force here on Earth because we we weren't able to connect with the Holy Spirit until he ascended and the holy spirit came down to replace him as the spirit on earth versus the physical carnation right that's kind of how i see it right i i kind of so i don't have a problem with the virgin birth i'm just saying uh, i don't know i think because john was the one that was leading it john was doing the baptisms before jesus ever showed up right he was doing the the physical baptisms but then all of a sudden nobody wanted to come to john for a physical baptism they wanted to come to Jesus for a spiritual baptism. Uh, you know, nobody wants to talk to Todd Armstrong. People want to talk to Emmanuel Kingman. You know, why is that? Because Todd Armstrong was some caveman uh, that was locked in the matrix system. But Emmanuel Kingman has all this grand knowledge that he can lead the way. He's led my podcast for me. He has changed my life completely. Uh, as we were saying with my daughter, with uh, with Mimi, with myself, uh, everything that it's Emmanuel Kingman does spiritual baptisms. You know, it's not Todd Armstrong that's actually doing any of that stuff. And it's weird to talk about yourself in that manner, but it's not myself that's actually talking. Uh, You know, it's a weird kind of thing, a a transitionary 
period. So I think John was leading the way, but I do also think that at some point there was a physical uh, person here named Jesus because when uh, Thomas was doubting that it was him, he put his fingers through the holes that he was, uh, his hand holes that he was resurrected, and which is why we have chakra centers or energy centers in our hands and feet are from the resurrection or from Jesus being hung on the cross. The, you know, people before us, they didn't have that before Jesus did that. So I think Yeshua was the one who was hung on the cross. I think he was the head of Christ. So between Yeshua and John, I don't know really what the answer is yet, but I know that there's something there. I have experienced this uh, Jesus figure. So when I say Jesus Christ, you know, a lot of people, that they say Yeshua. Yeshua to me is the son. Yahweh is the Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ is the Father. He is the combination of the two, and this is possible for all of us, that Jesus Christ is the combination of our lower self and our higher self, and he's in the middle giving life to both of them. Uh, Can I comment on that real quick? So I don't remember exactly when. I think I actually commented this in the chat on one of your podcasts, but uh, there's a verse where Jesus, as we read it in the Bible, talks about, like, why do you call me good? I'm not good. It's the Father, like, working in me. So I guess if if Jesus Christ is the Father, wouldn't that be sort of counter, so counter what, that passage? So when they're saying Jesus, so what would happen if I'm talking and I'm saying Emmanuel, right? But it's actually me saying it, but I'm not saying I because I have to distinguish between the two, right? So if John was talking about himself, but talking about the Christ in him and he's saying Jesus, uh, then, you know, that's how, and I don't even know uh, where that passage, uh, which book that's in that you're saying. So who would be saying it? I, I don't know. But it's this thing of, Everybody doesn't want to be seen as themselves. You know, people, when they give themselves over to Christ, they don't want to be known as their name. They want to be known as Christ. You know, come through me, use me. Uh, I want you to only see him. You know, these are common Christian sayings. So I think people were really doing that to the point where they were kings on earth and they were saying, he's my king. That's why they called him the king of kings. Because all the kings on earth were saying, no, he's my king. And they're all claiming that Jesus Christ is doing these things through them. So that they're not taking credit for it because people of Christ don't want to take the credit. They don't want to be known. They just they would rather just go about their business just being people, you know, doing God's work. But if someone's going to ask, well, it's Jesus Christ that's doing this. So if it's Jesus Christ doing it here and it's Jesus Christ doing it where you are, and it's Jesus Christ doing it where uh, this guy is, and it's Jesus Christ doing it where this guy is, well, guess what? Well, I, I think Jesus Christ is probably uh, a real thing, and he's doing all these miracles in all these places, and all these people are claiming this one name all at the same time. So I do think that there was one centralized figure that was doing most of this stuff, and I, Yeshua, uh, and like I was uh, just about to get to, I 
I see in my third eye, I have very uh, powerful visions, prophetic visions, if you will. And I see when I read the Bible at certain times, when I think about Jesus in a very intense way, I see a, a being who was much larger than all the other humans around. And that this this is why he had to walk with the cross because it was really no problem for him because he was very large. And they hung him on the cross and he he died, I guess, on the cross after six hours. And then he resurrected on the third day. And how that resurrection happened, maybe it was just the spirit coming through other human bodies at the time because he was given authority over heaven and earth so that he could just appear through anybody at any time, and especially people who were willing followers of him, that that's why the gardener, they didn't notice it was him until he left because his essence was so powerful and intoxicating that they didn't know that it was him until they were without it. You know, just like I was in bliss for 10 days. I didn't know while I was in bliss, you know, I was experiencing it. It was when I wasn't in bliss that I'm like, oh, there was something there that that isn't here now. So that's how I think that a lot of them felt when Jesus would arrive in their presence. And then it was once he was gone, they they recognized that he was there. So there's a lot of mystery enwrapped in all of this, but I do think it was literal. I just don't understand exactly how it was literal because I think it was more than one man, but I do also think it was one centralized figure. And I think John specifically was talking about himself. Now, maybe Matthew, Mark, and Luke are talking about this one centralized figure, which I'm trying to, you know, uncover now as I'm, uh, I finished Matthew and I'm in Mark at the moment. So that was Mark 10, 18, by the way, the verse I was referring to where it says, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. Okay. Um, and I don't know, personally, I, it doesn't really matter as much. You know, I think the importance is that you recognize Christ and you invite him into your life. At least for me, that's when I've had the most peace after searching everywhere else. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like that's the same for you. Um, yeah. But yeah, I do think it's interesting. I do think it, it seems to me like a lot of a lot of people were referencing Jesus as, you know, like a physical person. Seems like John was saying, I baptize with water, but Jesus who comes after me will baptize in fire. Like there's a lot of different, um, I feel like, quotes where people are talking about separately, even though because if John is baptizing like in the authority of Jesus, wouldn't he have already sort of had that transformation? Well, that's kind of. Yeah. So uh, like I'm going through that transformation now. Right. So it was uh we don't know how old John was, but he was six months older than Jesus. Right. So he was just ahead of Jesus, what they're saying. So if I like, why did John even start baptizing? You know, that that's a, a question in itself. How did he know to start baptizing? Uh, and it, why were people coming to him uh, is another big question. Yeah, because he was already transitioning. He just didn't know it. Well, I thought in the beginning it he wasn't technically known as baptizing. He wasn't technically known as John the Baptizer. I think he was uh in a way cleansing people, but the term baptizer didn't come until way later. 
Yeah, I don't know about that. But uh, it wasn't uh, just something that everybody was doing or just anybody was doing. So no. So when he says those things, you know, I I understand I can relate to it because I could say the same thing for myself that, uh, you know, I baptize in water, but Emmanuel Kingman baptizes in sp- and I do spiritual baptisms. You know, that's that's the main thing that I do on my website is spiritual baptisms uh that uh christ had me put down and was like this is what you're gonna do and and the way i do it is through christ and it's i mean there's different interpretations and i uh like you said i think that that's a very likely possibility what you're saying but also i see it that it's more than than just one so it's hard for me to get a grasp on it uh right now so like when i say it's literal like john is literal he's being literal by saying yeah i baptize by water but uh christ baptizes by fire he he's being literal he's just it's hard to put into words for other people to understand so if you haven't really gone through the transformation uh it's not as easy to recognize i'll say for sure. Yeah, I think it's an uh, interesting topic and one I would love to also get into in the Bible study at some point. Yeah, yeah, but, I can't wait to do the Bible study because, I mean, I'm not all that, that studied on the Bible. So it's I can't wait to talk to people like you and others uh, like you who have a great depth of knowledge on the Bible. Yeah, I definitely. I'm looking forward to it. Let me know when you're ready to get that going. Uh, another question that I had for you was I've heard you talk about the sort of serpent and chopping off its head uh, spiritually. What do you think? First of all, what do you think that is specifically? Do you think it's everyone has that spirit uh, when they're born? Is it something that attaches itself to them? And then my follow up question is, why do you think we have to just chop its head off instead of completely getting rid of it? Okay, so before I answer that, are you familiar with Ophiuchus, the uh, astrological sign? I'm not, no. Okay, so he's the 13th sign. So there were 12 signs in astrology up until I don't even know how long ago, not that long ago. Uh, Ophiuchus was added in. And Ophiuchus, the symbol of Ophiuchus is the man holding the serpent. So it's a very uh, strange thing. And it's also, that's when my birthday is, is in Ophiuchus and it's only a few days long. So it's a strange thing, but so I will say that I've been destined to do this. Um, so what I do, which Mimi can attest to, cause she did it for herself as I, uh, I, she heard me talk about it so many times she was able to do it. And I actually watched her do it in the uh, astral realm when we were meditating together, it was quite beautiful. Actually, I, I wasn't allowed to, I was about to cut the head off of her snake and, uh, her higher self said, no, let her do it. And then I watched her do it. So what happens? Are we all born with this to some degree? We are, uh, because we are the combination of the serpent seed that was here before Adam and Eve and the line of God, who was Adam and Eve, his line and the other line were a combination. So some people may be 95% serpent and 5% Adam and Eve. And some people may be 
95% Adam and Eve and 5% Serpent. And I don't know that those um, those percentages are accurate. But to some degree, in between 1 and 99% this way, 1 and 99% the other way, we are all both because we all have the spirit of Christ within us. And this is the purpose of Eve, of God knew Eve would sin because he, and he was not okay with it, but he, it was part of the plan because he needed permissible, to... permissible will versus perfect will. That's kind of how I've heard that. explained. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Because he needed to call everybody back to heaven. And the only way he could do that is by giving them all the, the blood of Christ washed by the blood. So we could really only uh, do that by having everybody have some of the blood, enough of the blood in them to be recalled. So depending on how much of the serpent seed you have in you, it depends on how large your Kundalini may be. Now, also, you may only have a little bit of serpent seed in you, but you may have fed the beast within you as uh, you may, people in the spiritual community may know. You know, you feed the beast by doing, giving into your sins by just doing things that you shouldn't be doing, and uh, you can grow it. So, why I cut the head off is because, and this really blew me away. I I never had thought of this. I had Truth Seek on my podcast. I didn't even know about this until way after I was only cutting the heads off. He said to me, "Well." he was going over the symptoms of people who have the Holy spirit in them and people who have the Kundalini rising. And it's the same exact thing. So I'm like, Oh, okay. I can see why I only cut the head off is because it is still the spirit. It is the spiritual energy, whether it's the serpent doing it or whether it's Christ, it's spiritual energy. So why I cut the head off is because it's energy it can't be taken out of you. It's spiritual energy, but I can stop that thing from having its own way with you that it has a mind of its own and I can cut the head off of it so that it doesn't have a mind of its own anymore so that you can use that spiritual energy and have these spiritual gifts for yourself. Uh, you know, a lot of people who are psychically gifted, they, give into this energy. So this isn't, if you're talking like your average uh, Christian, I'll say, probably who's been a lifelong Christian, who hasn't really done anything wrong, hasn't had a really bad life or anything, they're not going to have a, a big kundalini in them, but they can still have the Holy Spirit in them a lot. But they won't need my help for uh, doing this because they have a grasp on things. But somebody who has spiritual gifts who's had a very rough traumatic life and now they have all these spiritual gifts all of a sudden they may be unknowingly feeding this thing by uh doing psychedelics by smoking weed by uh there's so many different things we can do uh, that we don't even know we're doing magical stuff ritual stuff uh astrology i don't even want to say just astrology but those types of things that we are that we do we don't know that we're feeding the serpent that way and when you cut the head off the snake then you can start to see clearly that 
where you actually get your power from and it's not from the the kundalini because the kundalini always misleads us it brings us in a direction that isn't the full truth it'll trick you it'll get you some stuff that there's no way you could possibly know all that stuff and you'll give into it more and more because you think that you have to do more to get more accurate because you know i'm only 70 percent right and i i can do more i can give over to myself more i can have more crystals i can burn more incense you know all these different things that we tell ourselves and i'm not saying those things are inherently evil but it's but if you're giving power to that versus giving your life to christ right right and well it's yeah a- i don't even know if i think it's more of just a trick and it's just really just feeding you're feeding the kundalini i don't think that the like i was just saying this distraction well, yeah, I don't even think that the distraction uh, feeds it. I think that your intention going into those things that aren't of Christ feeds it. But it's an I idol think, at the end of the day, right? Like it's an yeah. it's a physical object that you're giving right. power to power versus to. giving your power okay. up. Essentially, right. is kind of how I look at it. Yes. I, but I do think that if you're solid in Christ, that you can do those things. And it's not going to have the same effect. It's, you're not going to be feeding something evil as long as you are solid with Christ and you're talking to Christ and figuring out different things and always bringing all your questions to him through prayer and meditation uh, and just over and over repeatedly looking for the answers of asking this so you have a solid answer. Now, it doesn't mean everyone can do it, but I don't think that those things are necessarily bad, but somehow it does like you're saying, maybe it's this idol thing, but it does feed this serpent that's within you. You're giving over to it more and more and more. So I just come in, I cut the head off, and everybody can keep their spiritual gifts, and they can do what they do, but now they are free to see what is actually happening. And now Christ... Uh, so I don't just cut the head off the snake, but I cut the head off the snake and I bring in Jesus Christ that we're, when we're meditating, we uh, I'm basically I put someone else inside of my body and now I can feel everything that you're feeling in your body and I can send Jesus Christ to the parts of you that really need it. Like somebody uh, that I worked on uh, had Krampus. Uh, if you're familiar with Krampus, uh, mm-hmm. popped up and turned out that Krampus was in this person's life at some point uh, in a very physical sense, but not the not the monster Krampus, but just uh, uh, someone who dresses up like Krampus. So it was a very weird thing, and I didn't even know Krampus looked this way when it happened. So there's a lot of weird things like that that happen. Uh, and I say that to say that I'm not sure what's going on when this happens. I just kind of explore the imaginative world that surrounds the person that I'm working with. And I can cut the kundalini off. Uh, I can give them their energy and I can send Christ in there. And then everybody's always at peace for the next few days at least after uh, a session that they always tell me how wonderful they feel 
the, the very next day and it's like they've been freed from something that they didn't know was there and it's just it's it's really a, a good process for them but the most important part is the follow-up stuff that everyone's doing their part to make contact with jesus christ himself to to become one with christ and do his will and and purify themselves in whatever way that they may need to so that all makes sense and that's great so when you're saying you remove the head are you like leaving part of the serpent still in them i guess that's where i'm i get so this is where you explain how you plug it back in (laughs) okay yeah so what happens okay I, i take the serpent and I, uh, so it starts in like, so this the, is the part I remember doing to myself. Yeah. So it starts in like your spine and you got to imagine that it's just, it's growing out of you. So it's tail is like your, uh, your butt. Okay. Tailbone. Yeah. Yeah. So you grab it and you yank it all the way through the crown chakra and you cut off the head and then it's, so it's kind of like when I cut off the head, the skin there's no real skin you know it's only uh in the astral realm but the skin essentially comes with it but you're plugging in that energy into the back of your head so what that does is that's where channeling comes in when people channel uh it comes in through the back of the head mostly and this is called your mouth of god chakra so that that's where things come from and they that's a lot of your deceptive things will come from there. So I'm plugging up that hole so that nothing is uh, can deceive you. So now you're not being deceived within by the serpent and you're not being deceived from without by the open mouth of God chakra. So I'm closing both of them off. So now it's acting like a, uh, uh, like a road system, essentially that it's just coming a detour. <laughs> yeah. It's going all the way up through you and around and, uh, clogging up everything and it's not that the serpent's no longer in there it's really just the holy spirit at that point it's just your spiritual essence okay cool yeah when i first heard you explain it i think it was to me it was almost sounding like you were taking off part of it and leaving it no no i don't leave it so, so because because i was like oh that might be like a deception where it's making you think it's gone but it's really not but i get how how you're explaining it now it's a lot more clear so thanks for clearing that up yeah absolutely and i mean there's a thing like i can't just magically like make someone a good person you know from all their bad stuff they have to actually go through the process i just can get them started Uh, you know i can baptize them in the holy spirit and get them in moving in the right direction but i can't have them change their bad habits and understand uh that there's a better way of doing things for them so that's why so I have the spiritual uh, baptisms, but I also have the mentorship program, which is only like $20 more. Uh, but that is a little bit more encompassing where then we're having phone conversations, therapeutic counseling sessions where we're talking on the phone and you're opening up to me about maybe your past traumas or maybe where you're going through at the moment. And then I can get inside of you that way uh, through a mindful connection and it doesn't have to be in a meditative state and now um understanding why you do the things that you do or why you feel the way that you feel and i can give you exact information of uh 
how you can better yourself, you know, like real one-on-one counseling type of stuff. That's awesome, man. And you're doing it in the name of Christ, it sounds like. Like, to me, I found that that's where the most power comes from personally. Like, you'll know a tree by its fruit. And that's definitely why I've been drawn to Christ. Not only I feel like there's historical evidence of this power, you know, whether it was physical person or just, you know, the manifestation of it. But I definitely have felt like that name has brought more peace and power than anything. Yeah. Yeah. After looking into Buddhism, Hinduism, atheism, science, everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was down all those different paths. Uh, Like I said, the my very I don't even know if I said it on air before, but when I had my first psychedelic trip, I saw Jesus and was told he wasn't for me. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm just going to figure things out for my own. And then I was saved by Christ when I had that injury. Yeah, I had that injury and I was saved by him. And it was uh, it's been so much greater ever since you know there's a thing in new age where they say no one's come to save you you have to save yourself and i think to some degree you do have to save yourself you have to be a willing participant for sure oh yeah the whole time you always have to be but but i think you have to climb up like some people put themselves so far from christ by doing by sinning so much that they have to do it alone that but then once you look back on it, you were never alone. That's the thing. Is yeah. that you you think you are or maybe you're cut off somehow. I think that's a guilt disconnected. thing where you feel like you're alone because you feel the guilt. I wasn't guilty. What you've done. I wasn't guilty, but it was definitely some kind of disconnection. It could be with some people. Pride. Guilt. Uh, it, it could be any number of things. It could have been anger for me. It was a, mm-hmm. a wrath was a big one for me. So it could be any number of things that disconnects you. But we do have to do it to some degree ourselves and then uh then when christ comes in then you reflect back and you're like oh i was never alone he was always walking me through yeah that's super good and that's definitely how i felt in my journey is that our sins separate us from god but like if we put in that effort then he like he's always there like you said but we have to the way i see it is like god made this awesome kingdom this great way to live but he doesn't want to force anyone into it so yeah we have to put in that effort you have to choose to take the pill right if you want to use like a matrix uh (laughs) terminology or whatever but yeah he's not going to force his will on us because he is a graceful god so that's how i see it absolutely yeah well this has been an awesome talk guys is there anything else you want to mention before we end uh I don't think so. No, no. Yeah, I just want, yeah, I'll mention my website, emmanuelkingman.com. So it's I M M A N U E L kingman.com. You can hit me up for energy work. You can check out all the cool photos I have on there. Uh, you can check out all, all my episodes. podcasts. Yeah, I have, I think I might have to upload a few more videos on there. Uh, but I think all the audio are on there and you can go to, I also have a podcast website, but I, I don't even care about that. You can find my podcast, Godcast colon the Goodness Over Darkness podcast on any audio platform. And you can find my YouTube channel, Goodness Over Darkness. And on there, I do live uh, roundtables called The Human Race, a series called The Human Race, where I bring together like-minded individuals who may or may not know each other, who do slightly think differently. And we talk about topics that maybe 
I don't want to say controversial, but there's always a point of uh, disagreement amongst us and we work it out in a, a beautiful manner. And I think everyone who listens to it can always relate to at least one of the characters on the round table. And uh, I do a live show with my buddy Andy Rouse called Worship in the Storm. Andy's host of the Deep Share podcast. So him and I, every two Fridays, every other Friday, we do the show called Worship in the Storm together. And you're uh, one of the uh, best uh, watchers and uh, commenters on there. You're always helping us out whenever uh, we're looking up something. So, you know, I want to thank you for all your participation. Yeah, man. Thanks for putting out so much content. I look forward to it every week. It's so oh, great because... There's not a lot of content that I like in, you know, mainstream, you know, shows and movies and stuff. So having a reliable podcast has been really awesome. So thank you for all the work. I know it's a lot of effort doing all that. Uh, yes, it is. It, it burns me out sometimes, but I had a nice long break over Christmas and I was really rejuvenated. And now I don't feel as pressured as I was in December. So it feels much better. And you know, I, I'm definitely going to have you on as well. And I, yes. I, I like making my podcast. Like you said, I, I don't like too many things out there. Uh, so I want to make my podcast to be my favorite podcast to listen to because I listen back not only to uh, hear myself and to see if I sounded good or if I sound goofy, but I also want to improve as a producer and an editor. How can I make this a better product? And I also want to hear my guests in a different manner. So when I'm an interviewer, you know, I'm I'm listening, but I'm also anticipating to ask another question or I right. want to lead the conversation a certain way. But when I'm just listening and absorbing, I can hear two people talking back and forth. And like that Howdy McCoskey interview, man, that one, like listening back to myself, I'm like, wow, I was really on point that episode. So I can... I love listening back to it and it has nothing to do with being conceited, but I want my podcast to be my favorite. I mean, why wouldn't I? So uh, I, I love putting out all this content. Yeah. I, I am just honored for this to be my first uh, podcast interview. Technically. Yes. Yes. Technically, thank you. I'm honored I don't to always have you be the first like guest. to be on camera and on audio, but I'm getting so much better. I'm showing up a lot more and uh, uh she made a real effort to get here too she i did i was like i was like i texted him like stall <laughs> <laughs> stall i'm trying i'm trying yes well thank I you really so much for putting in that. the effort i always appreciate having another perspective so it's very... I, I can see i could see from your you know from your music and the other two episodes i can see where you are right now and i can see that there's no way but up for you i mean you're you're doing the right thing you're on the right path well, thank you very much. Thank you, guys. This has been really fun. I hope we can do it again soon. And I will see you all in the next one.